All right, so I missed a big one this week. Uh, the ushers are coming through to take up the offering because I blew it. So we had a little bit of a new uh, template for our service this morning. We added a call to worship to the beginning. Uh, we're going to add a second song to the end of the service. So instead of doing two songs after the greeting and before the sermon, that second song being the one that ushers normally take up the offering, uh, we moved it to the end of the service. So after the sermon, we'll sing two songs. And it was my task to communicate that to the ushers. And I didn't. And so I'm really sorry, ushers. Uh, they're going to egg my car or something. I know it, but I'm just kidding. They're really gracious guys, but it is my fault. So that's why we took the offering that way. We will take another offering later in the service uh, after communion for our benevolence offering to help those who find themselves in need. Uh, so you have some advanced notice of that offering, at least, uh, that's coming up. If you would stand with me in honor of reading God's word this morning, we'll be in Luke chapter 8. We'll read Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. As we begin a new year together, worshiping by means of the word, looking to learn from God's word. Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 16. Jesus has just given the parable of the sower and the soils, and then given the purpose for that parable and its meaning to the disciples as they had asked him what the parable meant. He follows up in verse 16 and he says this of Luke chapter 8, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Verse 18, take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. You may be seated. On Friday, December 25th, 1863, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, as a 57-year-old widowed father of six children, one who lost his wife in a horrible accident of fire while she was napping next to him, and his oldest son, he just heard, had been nearly paralyzed in a war in which his country was fighting against itself, Longfellow wrote a poem seeking to capture the dynamic and dissonance in his own heart and the world that he observed around him that Christmas day. He heard the bell, Christmas bells ringing in Cambridge and the singing of peace on earth, but he observed the world of injustice and violence that seemed to mock the truthfulness of an optimistic outlook. The theme of listening recurs throughout the poem, eventually leading to a settledness of confident hope, even in the midst of bleak despair, as he recounts to himself that God is alive and righteousness shall prevail. Longfellow writes this, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
and thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound of carols drowned, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of the continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head, for there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The the wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. We, this January 1st, like Longfellow, need to listen well to the ringing of truth again and again that God has given to us Just as those bells reminded Longfellow of the truth of what is to come in the end, that peace will be on earth and goodwill to men. So also we need the bells of God's word to sound regularly and repeatedly, daily for us, to listen to it and be reminded of God in the gospel in the midst of dark and difficult days, in the midst of any day, to be reminded of the truths of God's word. Jesus gives the parable of the soils to show that the gospel will go to all types of peoples and the responses to the word of God will be varied in every situation of which Jesus is explaining to his disciples the meaning behind this parable in each of the different soils he said they heard it and responded in this way. Again, a theme of listening and hearing. Jesus even prefaces the parable that he gives in Luke chapter 8, verse 8, by stating, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Excuse me, he gives that at the end of the parable. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then the disciples, in asking him to explain the parable, he does so, and states that the seed that is being sown is the word of God. And as a seed is being sown, it falls on four different soils. And you might be familiar with this parable. But each soil is mentioned by Jesus as hearing the word. And yet the response of the fruit is different in each one of them. The first soil hears the word, but the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. The second soil hears the word, just like the first, and receives it with joy, but it has no root. It is not a Christian genuinely, but looks like one for a little while on the outside, Jesus says. The third is the thorny soil, and it hears the word, but the cares of the world choke it out instead. If we can portray it in Longfellow's terms, instead of hearing the bells on Christmas Day, it hears more loudly the cannons and the dissonance and the darkness that he spoke of. Because of the cares of the world, it chokes the life out of the soil and proves it was not indeed transformational in the beginning. But the last soil, 
The last soil hears the word, holds it fast, and it bears fruit. This is a genuine believer, one who is not content to just hear, but their hearts are changed, and it brings about a new way of living. All four of the soils heard the message, and yet in this analogy, only one shows itself to be a genuine believer. And if you, like me, have come to believe in the person and work of Jesus, then you too at some point heard the gospel and came to believe in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross. You heard the message, you believed it, and it is bearing fruit. Hearing the gospel and believing in your heart has transformed you. You are no longer the same person. You can hear the truths, the things that you, you can now hear the things that you could not hear before. You can hear truths about God from his word, about his word and his will, and it's beginning to make sense. It's making sense more and more as you read of God's word and the more you study and hear and listen. After the parables and its explanation by Jesus, he says, take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Jesus seems to be saying, you have heard the gospel. God has used the gospel to change you forever. But in the right now, don't stop hearing. Pay attention to how you continue to hear me and the gospel. Don't stop hearing the word. Make sure you keep on listening and that you give it your, intent, your attention. Be intentional about the attention that you give to the word of God. And this is my challenge to all of us today. Keep hearing God's word. On this first day of a new year, looking at God's word and what will be our journey through it in the year to come. Keep hearing God's word. Pay attention to how you are hearing God's word. It's not something to take passively, but to actively play a role in how we will this year desire and accomplish growing by means of God's word. There is a warning in this verse for those who don't hear and a reward for those who do. Jesus says, take care. The one who has, more will be given. And the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has, will be taken away. Even though we have heard the gospel, even though we might love the gospel, it does not mean that we ought to stop hearing from God's word on a regular basis. I hope your response this morning is not to roll your eyes and think, Pastor Stephen, of course we know every day that we ought to be reading God's word. We ought to be in church hearing the word of God read and sung and preached. But instead that this morning, our hearts are encouraged to think again intentionally. What would God have me to do in this year, in 2023, in the way that I read God's word? Is it something we just passively do what we did the year before? I all too quickly, when one of my boys asked me about the Bible reading plans, are they in the lobby? I said, yes, they are. And can you grab me this one? I always do that one. Why did I do that? Maybe God would have me to do something different this year in the way that I read scripture. I love the plan and I love what God has done to continue to use it in reading his word through in a year. But is it something I just take passively? This is what I've always done. I continue to go through this devotional, or, or I always do our daily bread, or Paul Tripp's New Morning Mercies, or, or this devotional, or this person always. 
is the one that I follow on their blog of what I should be reading right now. My hope today is to challenge us from God's word and renew us in the coming year. The glory of reading and hearing God's word privately and publicly. Jesus urges his audience to be careful how they listen. And he says the stakes are high. One author in writing on this said, it's a matter of life and death. The one who has listened by responding to the word will receive more. But as, those, as for those who think that they have something but don't, who don't receive the word, who don't see a need for the word, even what they have or thought that they had will be taken away. Daryl Bach in his commentary says, to refuse to hear God's word is to be left desolate and naked before God. This week I was reading in Tim Challey's speaking on a poll that was done two and a half to three years ago, said that only one third of Christians in Protestant churches who attend on a regular basis in a nationwide survey said that they read God's word on a regular basis. They attend church on a regular basis, 100% attend church on a regular basis, but only one third of them said they read God's word on a regular basis. Another 20%, so bringing us too close to 50%, another 20% said they read God's word weekly. That leaves us with seeing that 50% of people who are regularly attending church are not in God's word at all. We don't want to assume the content of who is in the room right now this morning, but it is something for us in our own heart to say, what role will God's word be playing in my spiritual growth in this year to come? How will I respond to God's word when I hear it preached, when I hear it read, when we sing it, and when I'm reading it on a daily basis or on a regular basis, or when I forget and it's been a while since I've read it. How will I respond to God's prompting by His Spirit to read His Word, even when I know it's been two weeks since the last time I cracked the Bible? This morning, we want to look at Jesus when He says, take care then how you hear. And we want to look at two things, and that is to keep hearing God's Word. Keep yourself under the regular fountain of God's Word in public and in private. Keep hearing God's word. That's first. Keep hearing it. Keep finding ways in which you yourself are putting yourselves in the stream of God's word. So as a Christian, our faith is found in God, but the basis of our faith is the word of God. The Bible is God's self-revelation to us where he graciously gives to us exactly what we as his people need. Nothing more and nothing less. In the scriptures, God reveals to us who he is, what kind of character that he has, what he has done throughout all of human history. He tells us everything that we need for life and godliness in his word. So it's a place for us as his people to come and to learn more about who God is, to learn more of what God has done for us, that that would shape us and change us as we live today. You'll be changed by whatever you intake, but may what we are intaking as God's people be centered on God's word itself. As God's people, let us keep hearing his word. Let us put ourselves, as we said, in the stream of God's word. If we are going to take care of how we hear, we must make sure we are placing ourselves where we will, in fact, hear the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing 
and hearing through the word of Christ. So one, one way to keep hearing it is hear it in public. Gather with others to hear the word of God being read, sung, prayed, and preached. Out of 52 weeks, you've done week one. So we all should be able to give ourselves a pat on the back, a round of applause. We're one for one, one for 52. I'm not sure how we want to put that. Uh, One for one sounds better, right? We're shooting 100%. So already we've gathered this morning with others to hear the word of God. We've read from the Psalms. We've read from Ecclesiastes. We've read now from Luke. We want to intentionally read a little bit longer passages that you as God's people, if you think about this, in 52 weeks, that's 52 Psalms almost that we're reading as a church collectively together. Some of them maybe we should read out loud together. Instead of one person reading for us, maybe we all read it out loud together. But 52 Psalms that we're reading, one third of the Psalter. So we can imagine that within three years, we as a church are reading the entire Psalms together. We're singing songs that find their roots, their wording from Scripture itself. And maybe there's more that we can do even in that area. We're praying over Scripture passages, as Pastor Bobby did this morning. We're preaching God's Word. We're walking through books of the Bible together, desiring to find the Scriptures to be what we root the sermon in. There are 52 times this year where we will do this. That is, 52 times we get to hear the Old and New Testament together. 52 passages of Scripture that will be taught. 52 Psalms that will will be read. 52 times other Scripture readings are being done. Publicly, as we gather together, we are ingesting 50-plus times to hear the Word, the Scriptures, with one another. Not just on our own, but to hear with one another, to hear from them how the word has encouraged them, shaped them, fed them this morning. So put yourself as God's people under the stream of God's word by gathering publicly. And second, hear it on your own, not only publicly, but privately. You don't have to wait until Sunday to be in God's word and to worship. If you are old enough to read, then taking the opportunities to Try your hand, little ones, at reading God's Word. Parents, finding a good Bible that's going to be age-appropriate for them and their reading skill. Parents, exampling, showing the example of reading the Scriptures yourself. Having good Bibles and books in your home that are going to help your children in learning how to read Scripture. Being confident, you as a parent, in your reading and studying of Scripture, that you might be one who can walk alongside them and help them when they come upon questions because they're in Leviticus or Haggai or Matthew, for that matter. Lots of questions and lots of opportunities for us to say, I don't know. Let's pray and let's Google it. Don't be satisfied with yesterday's grace, but be in the Word regularly, daily, that you might find nourishment and encouragement, conviction and growth that is slow and steady over the course of the long haul, reading and taking it in small bite-sized pieces, all of a sudden coming to the end of the year and going, I just read through a 1,600-page book. When was the last time we could say that about any other book? Not very much. But to be able to go in just a few chapters each day We've made ourselves go through the entire scriptures over the course of a year, take small bites over the long haul, and continue to watch God grow you for his glory. 
We want to continue putting ourselves under the stream of God's word publicly and privately. Why? Jesus gives a warning here as not that it would not be taken away from those who don't interact, engage, listen, hear God's word, but also so that we don't become dull to the words of God. That when we hear it, we recognize this is the word of God. This is what God has said. I'm familiar enough with it because I find myself regularly drinking from its streams. Acts 28, 27 says, For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. So as not to become dull to the words of God, we want it to be fresh and invigorating, life-giving to us. We want to be in it regularly but to not also fall into error or to lead others into error. We want to be in God's word regularly. It would be all too easy for us as God's people to fall into theological error if we're not in God's word knowing what the word of God says about matters. Paul writes this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And he says in a warning, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So for us as God's people to not fall into error or to lead others into it, we want to be regularly in the stream of God's word. And also that we might posture ourselves to hear from the Lord and to love our neighbor. We want to be regularly in God's word. James chapter 1 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Even in the ways in which we interact with others, listening, Listening more, being quick to hear and slow to speak. James makes it clear that being slow to speak and quick to hear leads to slowness of anger and those things which do not produce the righteousness of God, but being quick to listen and to hear. Not like Job and his friends who talk, 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 can't wait for a second to talk. And ultimately what God in his speech to Job quiets Job as he puts his hand over his mouth and recognizes his need to listen. If we are not regularly putting ourselves in the stream of God's word, then we will unknowingly be saying to ourselves and to others, and especially to God, that we are listening not to God, but to ourselves, to other sources, because we are not utilizing the source of wisdom and revelation that he has provided to us. I said earlier, we will get input from somewhere. As God's people, may it be from his word, but if it's not, it will come from somewhere. And that somewhere will be for us a source. Whether it's the news or social media, whether it's another friend, whether it's the gray matter in between your ears, we will find a source of wisdom and revelation of which we will follow. We also want to listen to one another being slow to speak and caring for our brothers and our sisters. So putting ourselves in the regular stream of God's word enables us to do just that as we're used to the practice of listening and reading will shape even how we engage with others. As parents, 
And some of us in our work, like pastors, we are used to talking all the time, or a lot of the time, and so it takes extra work for us to listen to others. It might be a lot of work even for us who are used to talking a lot, to listen to God as well, and regularly being in the stream of God's word reminds us, as we read, as I did this past week of Job and his friends, or as you read, maybe in James chapter one, we read of God continuing to work in us, teaching us, revealing to us, humbling us, speaking to us, and we have to listen. Regularly being in the stream of God's word puts us in a posture of listening. So we want to be regularly in the stream of God's word so that we are hearing it, but we also, as Jesus says, want to pay attention. Pay attention to how you are hearing God's word. Think intentionally about these things. So in our Sunday gatherings, we mentioned just briefly about our scripture readings, but maybe it's just a simple following along with the scripture reading and the words on the screen. Instead of taking an opportunity to go get a drink of coffee or water or waiting until the next thing, it might be a step of intentionality to follow along, to engage with the scripture readings, to say amen, that you agree with what is being read. You are following along with the text. The scripture readings are not time fillers or transitional pieces in our service. They are vital and needed. We are hearing directly from God's word when we read it before a sermon, when we read it as God's people, as part of our service. So in the scripture readings, when we gather publicly, but also thinking intentionally about when the sermon is preached. Did you know that there are books written on how to listen to a sermon? Did you know that? There are. It's shocking, I know. There's articles that are being written as well on the internets. But there's one... Phil Riken, I said internet's on purpose, I'm sorry. Phil Riken, he writes, so what is the right way to listen to a sermon? With a soul that is prepared, a mind that is alert, a Bible that is open, a heart that is receptive, and a life that is ready to spring into action. Phil Riken says, and I'll repeat it, so what is the right way to listen to a sermon? A soul that is prepared, a mind that is alert, a Bible that is open, a heart that is receptive, and a life that is ready to spring into action. All we want to do this morning is continue to look at this passage in Luke chapter 8 and thinking intentionally of how we might be paying attention to how we're hearing God's word in this coming year. You might say, well, I always look at my Bible on my phone, and after five minutes, if I don't touch it, it automatically turns off, and I just you leave it, or I always shut my Bible after you read the passage when we all stand, or so I can write on the cover and take my notes, or I always do this. This is how I think. This is how I process. That's great. It's wonderful that you know yourself and how you process through things. It's another thing, too, to be able to say, God, how would you want me to actively engage in listening to the sermon in this coming year? As the word is preached 52 times this year, at least, how do you want me to engage with God's word in the coming year? It might be that you say, I don't really take notes. I don't know what to do with them. I don't like loose paper just flitting around in my Bible or whatever. I don't, I don't like taking notes. Or I listen better if I do something else. That's wonderful. 
But for somebody else, it might be good for them to bring in a pen and a paper and to take notes. It might be good for them to open their Bible, a physical copy of the Scriptures instead of a phone. I would encourage you, listening to Phil Riken and the, the definition that he gives or the answer that he gives, and thinking how practically we might do that, a soul that is prepared. Maybe that means reading and meditating on the sermon passage during the week or at least Saturday night before the sermon is preached that you might come in already with a little spade work done. You might have already been reading. Maybe you even think and formulate in outlines, or maybe you think by writing out some notes or praying through the text that night as you're going to bed. But it's reading, meditating on the sermon passage. We try to send this out on Wednesdays or Thursdays when we send a weekly email to let you know what the text will be on the week that is to come. You can always feel free to email and ask. When we're preaching through a book, it's easy because you just know the next chapter or two. But maybe reading and meditating on the passage the night before. It might even mean for some of you getting good commentaries or books that you can read along with us as we're preaching through a series. There's one church member here who asks me what series I'll be in in the series when I'm in one now. They ask me what's coming next so that I can be looking for a good commentary to read along with you as you're preaching. That's encouragement for me and I think also for him as he's studying along with us as we're preaching through books of the Bible. So being able to look at how can I spiritually prepare my soul for what is coming. Riken also says a mind that is alert. And that might mean just going to bed at a good hour the night before. Now, Pastor Bobby joked with us about who stayed up till midnight last night. That's going to ruin it for us. First Sunday of the year, right? We're all wasted, uh, not wasted. We're all asleep. <laughs> that was the wrong word. 364 days of the year, I can use that, and we all know what we mean. But on New Year's Day, we're all wondering what Pastor Stephen's talking about. I was studying at midnight last night, okay, when my children watched a movie. Getting a good night's sleep the night before. You might think, well, Pastor Stephen, this is getting a little too nitty-gritty. You're thinking a little bit too practically here. Are we? Or is every Sunday morning a fight for you to get up and to be here, to prepare your soul and to come well-rested that you might be eagerly attentive and listening to the Word of God as it is read and as it is sung? It will affect us in the sleep that we get. So thinking even of a soul that is prepared, a mind that is alert, a Bible that is open, bringing a text of Scripture with you. We have some in the backs of the seats in front of you, but bringing a copy of God's Word with you, marking up your Bible if you do such things, marking up notes or marking up in your mind even mentally as you're processing through what is being preached, that you might be able to uh, think through, prepare, remember what it is that God has spoken to you by means of His Word Continually to think intentionally, how will we this year pay attention to the word of God as we hear it, as it's read on Sunday mornings, as it's preached for us? Pray that we would come ready, prepared. Pray that we would come humbly to the scriptures when we hear them read and preached. That we would come hungry to hear God's word, to learn and to be fed. Too often, I can go into sermons or conferences with a very critical eye. I've studied this passage before, and maybe I've even taught through this before. How's this guy going to break this down? Would that not be true? Would that not be true of me this year? 
that God would continue to feed me well, as he has for many, many years through many hundreds of sermons. Would God continue to allow me to be humble as I come to hearing somebody else preach the scriptures? Just this week, was able to listen to a message that was preached at 10th Presbyterian in Philadelphia and encouraged greatly from the passage in Luke 2 uh, as the pastor spoke on it. But again, there's a critical part of me that says, I don't think I would have told that joke. I don't know if I would have done that. May God continue to keep me hungry to learn from his word and to be fed from the sermon. Pray for the pastor who preaches. Pray for the benefit of the church as they listen. Pray for the church to be a people who desire to hear God's word and to be changed by it. Pray for the message as it goes out. Be a people who come praying prior to the service. Again, Phil Riken says, most churchgoers assume that the sermon starts when the pastor opens his mouth on Sunday. However, listening to a sermon actually starts the week before. It starts when we pray for the minister, asking God to bless the time he spends studying the Bible as he prepares to preach. In addition to helping the preacher, our prayers help create in us a sense of expectancy for the ministry of God's word. That's the next practical piece is just expect God to speak to you by means of his word. Expect God to feed you. Come with anticipation and hunger. Come praying. Come well-rested. Come with your souls delighting in God's word and the message that is to come. Listen attentively. Take notes. Discuss with others right after the service. Ask them what they learned about God from the text. That might have been surprising to them. Tell them about the application that you received that you might go out and do. And as was mentioned earlier, gather in life groups that discuss and apply the sermon together as a small group never neglecting that after you've prepared for the sermon, processing the sermon with others, that you practice the sermon as well and act on what you heard in the service. Maybe it's a scripture reading. Maybe it's the sermon text. Act on what you heard in the sermon. Don't be the one who hears but does not act. Act on what you heard will will be keeping you humble and teachable when approaching the preaching of God's word. Proverbs mentioned several times that the way of the fool is one who expresses his opinion before taking in understanding, one who gives an answer before he hears, one who speaks without truly listening. May we as God's people walk in wisdom, hearing genuinely, and then acting according to how God would desire us to do. That's publicly, thinking intentionally, and think intentionally as you privately read God's word. Acts 17, 11 says, Now the Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, the ones in Berea were, because they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. If you were struggling sometimes to come to church eager to hear God's word and to be fed from his word, it might be because you're only hearing it one day a week. You only, if you only hear it on Sundays, then you're coming in malnourished, expecting once a week feeding to truly nourish you. And we all need more than that. Let us be regularly feeding on God's word to grow within us a taste for his word and for the reading of his word, that God would continue to teach us and grow us for his glory. 
doing so in personal Bible reading time, maybe family Bible reading time, some of these things that might exist in the years past and some that you desire will exist in the year, this year that is here. If you think about it, it is incredible that we have the Word of God, the revelation that He desires for us to have in our hands and get to read it in a hard copy, on our phone, in our language, in multiple languages. What a gracious gift that He has given to us that we can know God and his character, know the redemption that he has planned for us and accomplished in his son. Know what the desires that he has of us, how we might please him all from his word. So make the opportunity, brothers and sisters, this year, I challenge to you to be in God's word regularly, daily, even if just for a few minutes. It might be stopping stopping one thing that you do that you might be able to make it a priority might be getting up a little earlier, reading on your lunch break, asking someone to remind you or checking in with you on a regular basis. And don't wallow in guilt when you fail. Don't wallow in guilt when you miss several days. Or like we said earlier, it's two weeks since you cracked the Bible. Remind yourself of the grace that God gives to us and get back to it. Be honest with it. Let the person know who checks in with you. I haven't been in the Bible in like seven days since the last time you called me. Okay, well, let's do it this week. Maybe I'll text you each day or something. We want to help you, and I want you to help me. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit to live within us. That Holy Spirit wants us to be in the Word. He wants to remind us and help us. So let him do all you can to prepare. Maybe it's prepping the night before to read God's word in the morning. Maybe it's preparing intentionally during work that you might be able to have that lunch break free or a certain downtime and utilizing that. Also pray that God would prompt you and not let you rest until you feed on his word. So what might you do in thinking intentionally about being in God's word and hearing his word in 2023 that you did not do last year. It might be spending more time or more intentional time with God and his word in the coming year. I hope we can take this next week, even the next few days, this afternoon to pray, to consider Maybe it's talking with others about how you can grow more this year in feeding on God's word publicly and privately than you have in previous years. I hope you'll take me up on that challenge. And I look forward to hearing what God might be leading you, your family, you as an individual to do in this year that is here already. But let us as God's people continue to look forward to getting to read the word that God has given to us as his people, and communing with him. This morning, we get the the privilege as part of our service on New Year's Day, as the first Sunday of the month, to be able to also gather and partake of communion. And as we remember just last week, Jesus coming in Advent to be born as a child, to give us redemption in his work on the cross, he also promises to come again. This morning, our communion, I want us to focus on the coming again of our Savior Jesus. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that he received this practice from the Lord, 
and he passes it on to the church. That on the night when Jesus was betrayed, Jesus took bread with his disciples. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We get to observe the Lord's Supper, and we do observe the Lord's Supper until he comes. There will come a day where on some first Sunday of the month, we will not observe the Lord's Supper because Jesus has come already, and we will be with him face to face. We will be eating and drinking with him in the new heavens and the new earth. What glory that will be, that he has come and he is coming again. This communion time is one that is only for believers, only for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus alone already. That might be true of you, and it might be brand new for some of you this morning. We invite you, those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus alone for salvation, those who have believed the message of the gospel to come and participate in this Lord's Supper with us this morning because Jesus is coming again. And we get to celebrate that together. We're going to take an opportunity, this music will play, to pursue communion with God. It might be a restoration of relationship, a renewal of commitment, confession of sin, thanksgiving for the work of the gospel. But you pursue communion with God. You spend time praying with the one who will come again the one in whom you have put your trust in. And as the music plays and as you have communed with your Savior in rejoicing, in confession, then you come. You come and take. And I'd encourage you as you take of the Lord's Supper this morning to think or even to say, come Lord Jesus. Anticipate his coming as we drink Uh, of the juice and eat of the bread. Anticipate his coming. Rejoice in his coming again. Rest in his coming again. He has come and he is coming again for us. Let us look forward to that time as we enter into a time of communion together.